This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Season 6, Episode 1 of the Four Star Spurs Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony. With me this week, we have Tommy. Hey, what's up? Lucas. Hello, hello, hello. And Joe. Hello there. Well, um, I'm just going to dive right into this today. I mean, we had one hell of a week. And we were talking about, like, yeah, let's wait to see what our coach decision is before we have an episode. We'll preview the Euros. We'll, we'll, We'll... respond on the, the, the coach that we brought in and be excited whether it's who we wanted or we, we didn't want. But instead, it turned into a, quite a drama. Um, so we we started off with um, uh, thinking that you know, we're, we're kind of going for some of the bottom feeders in the league or maybe uh, Ten Hag. Like, and then it, all of a sudden, uh, the Pochettino rumor started flying. And that he, he wants to leave. He wants to come back to us. And I think it got a lot of people. So even me, who didn't think it's the... I think we said on the final episode of last season, I don't necessarily think that we should bring back Pochettino yet. Like, someday I want to see that. I think that would be fun. But in, until it was happening, I didn't think I got my realized how excited I was getting that I'm just... At least there's good feelings about this man. It would it would definitely would have changed the dynamic, and then that went away, and then it was Conte, and it's like oh we're bringing in like the the, the win now guy, like this is like one of the best coaches in the world, and we're gonna bring him in, we're gonna give him the money, and we're gonna start spending like Spurs have never spent before, and that kind of went away too. So I think we got to unpack this first. That's got to be our uh, primary conversation today, because that's really what we have to talk about. We can't do anything else until we have a coach. Uh, so let's uh, start with Lucas first. He seems like he wants to tackle this. Well, yeah. Um, it's terms like the pot stuff. We had very different different views where you said like I felt myself getting excited. Like I started bricking it immediately as soon as the pot rumor started flying. I just had that pit in my stomach. It made me insane. I just, I don't get why that was ever a thought. Um, He hasn't gone and learned anything yet. And like you said, like he will come down the road. There is going to be a time where Pochettino manages our club again. That's pretty much a done deal. He will manage Spurs again. He wants to, there's going to be a point where we need to. And hopefully during that time, he's gone on and he's learned lessons that he needed to learn, whether it be how to get it over the line how to do certain things like he will learn those hopefully with a power club like PSG uh, winning trophies still hasn't done it. Um, other than like the Audi cup and nonsense with us. No, he, but, he, he did win um, some of their domestic, one of their domestic cups. He won he? the French cup. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not a massive mean, achievement in that league. Is I, it? I, I was going to say, so that basically that's on par with the Audi cup. Let's be honest. And he technically choked league on. He choked the league, and he got smacked by City, who Chelsea apparently can beat. Um, but 
so my whole thing with Potts was he wasn't ready to come back, and we're not ready to have him back because half the players that are still here are guys that ran him out. These are all guys that quit on him that are still here. If it's five years down the road and it's new guys in, it's different. But again, look at Toby. Toby was a guy that refused to sign that new deal under Potts. Potts leaves, Jose comes in, and then Toby signs a three-year deal that was $30 million less than what he was being offered when Potts was here. Like, that's a guy that is all of a sudden going to be up for playing for Potts next year? Like, it, 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 Potts was never a thing. Like, I, I pray that that was not going to happen. It's the Conti one that really breaks us because that's a guy that was the hybrid of what we need where you can develop young players, you can get us moving in the right direction, but you're also the proven winner. So he's like a Potch jose hybrid. And the fact that we let that one fall through is the most disappointing thing for me. We're going to go to Joe next, but like I, I did uh, talk to actually one of our uh, uh, podcast members uh, yesterday, uh, Rick, who did make the suggestion that like, yeah, maybe this is um, uh, Pochettino, and this is Rick, uh, not not the uh, English Rick. This is American Rick, uh, tall Rick. Uh, but he made the suggestion that maybe Pochettino and Levy were just rubbing each other's backs, trying to like get Poch- get Pochettino more job security, a better contract in the long run, and 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 trying to boost our fan base. That they never intended there to be a move there. That they were it just got too far in the open and the media took, ran away with it. And it was just a publicity nightmare. But uh, what do you think, Joe? Like, uh, where are you at on this Potch and Conti drama? Well, just responding to that, that thing, I don't, it's made Pochettino look bad to PSG. Hasn't it this? Because they're kind of, their fans are not going to be best pleased that he's apparently trying to leave and wants to come back to Tottenham. So I don't think it really benefited Pochettino, this whole saga, to be honest. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say it quite as harshly as Lucas, but I I do agree overall with what Lucas is saying. I I really do. I think I'm, I'm a huge, I've got a lot of admiration for Pochettino, what he did for us, the way he took us from when he took over in 2014 to where we were when he left. Although the results were bad at the end, you know, overall, he did a tremendous job. Um, But Lucas is exactly right. Like he. It's just it's a chronic lack of imagination by the club to spend all this money on hiring Mourinho, paying Mourinho off, paying Pochettino off when we sacked him, then to go back to Pochettino again. I mean, it's it's absolute ineptitude I think to you know is really that that's that that's our solution is it going back to Pochettino like you said Anthony I think um maybe five years down the line when we've got a whole new squad Pochettino can come in again and do what he did last time of trimming the squad and doing a you know a really good job of improving the team like he did first time around but it's not it's not the time now um I mean I'm totally with Lucas on Conte. I was so excited for this. Um, I think he's an amazing manager. He's won the title five of the last seven years. Um, You know, he's one of the very top. You talk about Guardiola, Klopp, like Conte's up there, in my opinion. I think he's, he's, he's in that class. Maybe just not quite up there, but very much close to that bracket. And 
it's just infuriating this whole situation. I'm sure we'll all get into it and I'll get a chance to to talk about it. But it what maddened me about this thing um, is the idea that if you look at Daniel Levy's program notes from the last home game, he talks about we want someone who embodies Tottenham's DNA, you know, will do will play attacking football, all this stuff, all this stuff. It doesn't really fit with Conte. He's not that kind of guy. He's more like just what Lucas was saying, like a someone who wants to win now, a very demanding manager. But he isn't going to do it on Tottenham's budget. You know, he's going to want money to spend. When he went to Juventus, he bought 12 players in the first summer. When he went to Inter, he bought 12 players in his first summer. So from the outset, you can see there's a compatibility mismatch there straight away. And the fact that it took like four days for things to collapse is just so frustrating because it was either a goer from the start or it wasn't. Why waste four days negotiating with someone? It's like me going to the Ferrari dealership now and trying to negotiate when I can't afford to have a buy a Ferrari now. You know, it's 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 just a it's it's really maddening that we got to this uh, situation. And how do you not know that's going to be the situation at the time? Right. right? Tommy? Like, uh, uh, like I, I know you want to jump in here, Tommy. Like, how do you not know that that's the the situation? Like, how do you not know that this is what Conte's going to ask for? That he's going to want money? That he's going to go on to be able to buy twelve players? Yeah. So Joe took the words out of my mouth. So I'm like, I don't know what the hell Levy was thinking with this because it's very short sighted. Because like we're almost a billion dollars in debt. Debt. So. Like, why even breed Conte? And, like, yeah, it's a very high-profile signing, and one would have assumed that if he was to get hired, Levy and Joe Lewis would have had to dump in a shitload of money in. But because of the debt, and since the pandemic isn't over, we're not the club is not generating money, and there's no naming rights for the stadium either. So... I like if I was Daniel Levy and brought him in, I would have made it conditional. Be like, hey, look, you're probably not going to win anything the first year. I'll give you some money and whatever you can generate from uh, any players you sell, like whether it be Sanchez, Dyer, Wink, Winks, etc. And um, see what whatever you can make out of that, uh, and then until next or this with this upcoming season, everything's or at least it sounds like in England, people are getting vaccinated, numbers are going down, things are opening up. So by that logic, Levy could counter and be like, you know what, you're not getting the budget now, but once we get, generate all this money with the NFL games, Guns and Roses concerts, etc., um, match day revenue, because he, he, he can provide the numbers, but like, hey, we're making almost a million dollars before the game even starts. So, and we got at least 20, or in theory, maybe 25 home games. You do that, we got $25 million for just Spurs matches with, uh, and then, you know, and then he can say like certain amount whittles down the debt of the stadium and, and uh, paying off loans to the Bank of England, et cetera. Rest is all for you. And then make do, but he's like, and because it sounded like Conte was in on this and he, like, it, and based off of the rumors and, uh, what you see on Twitter, it's like he knew that this was going to be a project and he wanted to build this. So both parties were interested. It's just 
unfortunately, Levy shut it down. So I'm like, if, if he wasn't going to bite and bend on things, I'm like, it's kind of like what Joe's saying about the dealership. It's like, he's just wasting time here. And um, another thing, uh, on, I think it was on Thursday or Friday, uh, what's his name? Alistair Gold, he had a video on YouTube. So, like, he does a lot of commentary now on his YouTube videos. Like, he'll just do articles and Twitter and stuff, but he gets more in-depth with his videos. And, like, he seems like a broken man with this. And he's just saying, he's like, uh, Steve Hitchin I get, allegedly had a short list. Conte wasn't in on it, on the list, just because of, allegedly, you know, the club's DNA and what how he, they wanted to bring the club forward. So it sounds like this whole Conte thing was just brought out out of the blue and like a last ditch effort to see if something would stick. It did, but it just fell away by the wayside too, or very quickly. Was it Jose all over again? Was that, that what it was? The same I think so. Um, but uh, uh, Lucas? Well, I mean, <clears throat> to start, I got Tommy had a lot there, so I got to unpack one quick thing. Like the whole debt thing, drives me insane like that is such a bunch of crap we know i've brought this up a thousand times on this podcast how one of the great things that levy did was how he designed and how he made our stadium not just about it's not just oh we doubled the size of white heart lane we flipped what the match day experience is we will like tommy mentioned a million pounds just before the game even starts like the revenue that we're going to be taking in now that they have like Boris Johnson or whatever. And he said, like, we don't expect limits on match days starting at the new Premier League, whatever. Like, so we can be expecting full stadiums. Like, in again, it's going to come back around. So you have that in the tank, and you know that every match day we will be making more than Liverpool, United, City combined. Like, on a match day, we will be taking that money in. So the money will cover itself. But at the same time, it's like, I, I hate this crap and kind of back to what Joe said, where with the wasting time and the Ferrari analogy, it's, I mean, this is classic Levy. And this is where I said the one downside in Levy's pitfall is the way we do business. How did you, like, what leverage did we have over Conti? Like you're sitting down at the table. You have Conti at one end of the table that wants to come here potentially. What leverage do you have if you're Levy? Like what, what, what are you nickeling and diming this guy for? If this guy wants to be here and there's things that we need to meet, then meet him. You can't, and this is classic what we do, where it's like, and that's why I liked Joe's Ferrari analogy, is I've used a similar analogy before. I'm like, it's market price. I can't walk into a store and be like, I want to buy this bag of bananas, and then say, oh, it's three pounds, or it's $3. And I say, no, 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 I'm, I'm going to give you 150 Like, this isn't bartering. If you want to be a top club, you have to pay what market value is. You need to be smart about where you put that market value. You can't be Arsenal and throw $75 million for Pepe or shit like that. But if there are moments where it's like, look, if this is who you want and this is who you think is the guy, which, let's be honest, this is the manager right now in this market this summer. This is the best possible manager for us. It's like, then, yeah, you bend a little bit or you just meet whatever he's asking. You can't ask him because he can say pound sand. I just won a championship in Syria. I've won a championship in the Premier League. Like what? I, you need me more than I need you. Like so, I, I don't get why. Like the choice to nickel and dime this guy and be like, ah, well, we just didn't see eye to eye. 
What do you mean? He's a winner. And he's the guy that is clearly the best fit for us. So go the extra mile, make sure you seal the deal and make it a project. I don't get where Levy keeps continually boning us by like nickel and diming these guys and pretending like we have leverage. It's the, same thing, it's the same thing he does with players, Lucas. Like yes, exactly. Like he, he, the reason he waits until the end of the window to to, to purchase anybody is be, is because he's played them up the whole time, and he's waited for that team to like. If he's selling them a left back, he's he's waited until they've sold their left back already, and now they've got they've got to bring somebody in. So they got to and Anthony. Anthony, and that's and that's what that's what I meant when I said the market value analogy is I said it before about like the Hoybeer yeah. thing, where it's like they said Hoybeer was twenty million. They're like Everton offered twenty million. We had to nickel and dime our way down to then make it a trade where we lost our right back in Kyle Walker Peters. We couldn't just front the twenty million and say, Yeah, this is what this is what it's worth. Let's pay yeah. it. Instead, we had to get Levy had to get all creative, try and get every nickel and dime he could, and it cost us. And now, when Serge is looking to leave, we're like, "Crap, who's our right back?" Yeah, and, and this is all shit. Wa- this is the Walker way Peters we do fucking fantastic. And yeah. this is the way we do business. And that's why I said, "I'm like Levy's done great things for us by the way he's designed the stadium, the training ground. Levy's done a lot of good, but the way he does business is what's going to continue to bone us going forward, and it's going to keep us from getting where we want to be." Let's hear from Joe next. I couldn't agree more with this. And it always bothers me too, Lucas, when people, you often hear, oh, Tottenham are skin. Tottenham have got no money. Tottenham about the financials. It's complete bullshit. Joe Lewis is worth five billion, five billion. That's double what John Henry is worth, who owns Liverpool. And they're buying Van Dyke and buying whoever they want to buy, really. Um, it's It's absolutely ridiculous that we operate like this small club. I mean... I actually looked this up today because I was thinking exactly what Lucas is saying. And I was thinking about this and I was like, if you, I'll actually tell you, if you look at the net spend in the last five years, right, since 20, since 2016, when we moved to the stadium, and obviously the stadium is has cost money, right? Of course it has cost money in that process, in that as, it, as we've been building it and putting it together. But it's absolutely incredible. Our wolves have spent double the amount of money. We wolves. So we're not talking about comparing us to Man City or Chelsea or United in terms of money. We're talking about Wolves. Brighton have basically spent as much money, if not more. Brighton have spent double as actually in terms of net spend. Bournemouth have spent 30 million. Bournemouth, who got relegated last season, have spent 30 million more than us. So this idea that we've got no money is a total fallacy. It's we don't spend the money. So that's a conscious decision. There's a different thing from having no money to not choosing not to spend the money. And if you asked any Premier League fan who the worst run club is in the Premier League, I'd ask you guys, you'd probably say, if not the first choice, you'd say Newcastle, right? Would you? Was Is that what you'd probably think when you talk about most hated owners, worst run club, Newcastle? Newcastle have spent more money than we, not higher net spend than us in the last five years. So this is how bad it is. Like the nickel and diamond, the, you know, lack of, ambition and that's what you're right it's scared Conte away Conte's looked at this and been like yeah Tottenham you know big club great stadium all Harry Kane everything right everything that we've got in our locker that's good 
But then he talks to Levy and then he sees the reality. And the reality is he won't give him a budget that Kante doesn't want to ruin his reputation like Mourinho did. Mourinho didn't win a trophy at us. It's the first club he's never won a trophy at. Kante doesn't want that for him. And it makes sense for him. I, I want to quickly just say to Joe, like right there, and, and, and that's another thing where you talked about wasting time, is Conte just left Inter because of what their cutdowns and stuff in lack of spending. So how yeah. did you sit down in this four-day meeting thinking that him wanting to spend, how did you not foresee that? He just left a club after winning their league, and then you didn't think that like spending was going to be a bit like a main point that he was looking for? Like he just left them because they were like, we're having cutbacks, we're not going to be able to spend, we're going to have to let like 80 mil worth or something. So I, I don't get where members, you're going to let him limit him to four. Yeah, like you, you didn't think that like budget was going to be a massive point in this conversation when you sat down with him. He just left that team because of it. I'm sorry, Tom. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Tommy. Okay, so what Joe was saying about Levy, it, the thing that pisses me off the most is that I have backed Lee because I thought he had a plan ever since I've been a Spurs fan. So eventually he bought all the remaining of Alan Sugar's shares out. And then when the recession hit back in like 08, he bought a bunch of material for the stadium. So like we knew it was going to be the works. We were going to go to buy the, or we wanted to buy the Olympic stadium. Of course that didn't happen. Um, and then and like, so like he had everything set up, like he bought materials. He had all like, the uh, aluminum, metal, wood, and all that shit stored everywhere. So you knew shit was brewing. And then eventually you open up 10 years later. And I'm like, okay, so this is going to... So I was like, at the time, I was like, okay, this is great. This is going to coincide, like, you know, back in 2010, qualify for Champions League. Okay, shit's brewing. We got Luka Modric, we got Rafael Vandervaart. Jermaine Defoe's doing great, etc. You know, we took a little dip. But with other Pochettino, things are going up again thinking it was going to work well. Unfortunately, it didn't. But now it's like, what are you doing? And how Joe was saying about, in terms of money, like I remember reading like Joe Lewis hasn't invested money into the squad in like 15 years. So whether it be Enoch or Joe Lewis, they've been living off of the fat of the land, essentially. Uh, and they're operating like a business. And the thing that pissed, and I put posted a comment about this in the Chicago Spurs group. For anybody that's living in Chicago or is an NHL fan, they will understand. And uh, the way I see it is Daniel Levy is essentially the British Bill Wirtz because he's been nickeling, diming, and everything. But also, the biggest thing is that he's been operating Spurs as a business, which for me, I know he's got shareholders to answer to. Uh, he has board members that he needs to answer to. But if you're going to run a sports team like a business, you're in the wrong industry. Uh, so, like, and Levy as a Spurs, as a ch childhood Spurs fan, he should know better. That's the thing that disappoints me the most. So, I'm, unfortunately, like, this whole Conte thing has just soured me on him. He's lost a lot of face with me. Apparently with a lot of fans because people thought, oh, Conte was going to get hired and people or people alleged that this was just a way to see an uptick in uh, season ticket renewals. 
I find that to be debatable for a variety of reasons. Uh, but so it's and how Lucas was saying, like just the way that Levy operates, like it's the thing that pisses. Like I, I joked about it in our group chat. I'm like, I should have supported Blackburn instead of Spurs. I mean, at least they won. They got promoted and won a trophy, albeit a lot less grander scale. But it's like realistically. Spurs have to sell if we're going to actually make some progress, I feel like. I, I feel like if we have Daniel Levy at the helm right now, we're spinning our wheels. Unfortunately, with all of us, we've been a fan for multiple years. And me being a fan for twenty, almost 20 years, it's like, well, I've made, I've, I've made my bed with the club. Am I still going to go to London and see the stadium and buy a bunch of shit? Yeah. Does Daniel Levy and everybody else and their wallets deserve it? Not really. So I, it's. I think what Tommy, to your point, what has to happen here is we've like Daniel Levy's got to take his hands off football operations, and well, uh, th- that's what I mentioned in the the season finale episode. I'm like, well, we do have that new appointment, the director of football, but I'm like, but, he's let's let's talk about that and like uh. I, I think Joe had uh, – let's go to Joe next and then then Lucas. Both both of you guys oh, sorry. have Sorry, can, can I be up. really quick? Yeah. Um, so, like, with this new director of football, yeah, he's come with a lot of great credentials. But I still feel like with Levy, he's going to be handicapped by Levy trying to negotiate, have the final say on everything. So, while this guy – I forget his name already. Fabio Paratici. Yes. Uh, so, like, he might – have say on like the football operations, but I'm like, but he's not going to have control over like if he's like, you have a hundred million dollars to spend and deal with, sell all the players you want, turn over whatever you want, buy the new person you want. It's not going to be like that, you know. It's 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 going to be same shit, different name. We're going to be spinning our wheels. Uh, I think Joe, you were next, and then Lucas. You both have been waiting a long time, but. Uh, I was just going to say quickly that with, I mean, it's great that we got this guy, Paratici, you know, he's got good pedigree um, at Juventus. Um, But obviously he was brought in under the idea that he would work with Kante, who he's worked with Kante in in the past at Juventus, right? So those two were almost like a double appointment. Like um, when we brought, going way back here, Martin Yall and Frank Arneson, they worked together at Ajax previously and then they came to Tottenham you know there was a relationship so it's bizarre to me that Paratich has even like <laughs> accepted this role knowing that Conte hasn't you know that hasn't progressed um and that just to me it just shows the disorganized approach that we've got right so we've got a, we're bringing in a new director of football right we've got absolutely no idea who the manager's going to be so this guy's got to what he's got to scout players he doesn't know what the formation is going to be that we're going to play. He doesn't know the style that we're going to play. He doesn't like how, so how, what's his remit at the moment? Like if Conte would have come in, that would have meant we would have played a three, five, two formation. So you're looking at players that fit that formation. Now we don't know the manager's going to be, it could be someone with a completely different formation, different style. So it, his hands are already tied in that respect anyway. And it just shows the ridiculous, disorganized nature. You know, Steve Hitchin is the guy who's been doing that role. And regardless what you might think of Steve Hitchin, um, he was given the job of drawing up the shortlist of managers. And now 
he's getting replaced in his job, but we're still working with that shortlist of managers, or what, we're going to get back to square one, a new list from this new guy. Who knows? It's a total mess, a complete farce of a situation. I, I think they thought if they got him that they'd be able to get Conte and and, and it would be a done deal. Like that yeah, that was all that was all the leverage you needed. You didn't have to actually give him what he wanted is what it seemed like. But uh Lucas? Yeah, real quick, um like this is open. Was he the guy that was like the director of football at Juve when they had like all those discretions and got like in trouble and No like, more, more recently. He was only there for eleven years. And that oh, okay. was the Calcio Poli was like an 06. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, I would have liked that guy. Like, give me the guy that's willing to break the rules. Because I'm like, at some point, we got to try something different. But I, my whole thing going back to Levy was, at some point, you have to decide what your club's ambitions are. And if you don't want to spend like a big club, and again, I don't want it to sound like, because it's one of my biggest pet peeves with Spurs fans, is we're like, oh, well, Levy didn't let Poch spend and crap like that. Because, like, A, it's half true. Levy let Poch spend. Did Poch spend right? Poch vetoed certain guys that could have been important. Poch had his own criteria. So that was like a dual relationship there. But there's a, like I always say, like the way we do business needs to change. And with Levy, it's what are our club's aspirations? Do we want to be a Leicester? That's fine. Like maybe every few years we make Champions League. Like, okay, that's cool. Like, yes, but Leicester, they won the league. Like, yeah, that was a year of all the non, like, this is the biggest anomaly of all time in a year that the other big six all had a shit year. And your only competition was us who would bottle it and finish third. So, like, yeah, it's about deciding where you want to go. If you want to go further than where we are right now, and the shit storm that we found ourselves in, then you have to change the way you're doing things. And if you don't, you can expect for the next several years, hey, every once in a while, we'll finish Champions League. We'll probably get knocked out in the round of 16, or maybe we'll win a, we'll get to a Europa semifinal or something, but we'll, uh, we'll get there close. Like we might come go to an FA Cup final. If you want to go further than the expectations that we've set for ourselves, which we should be expecting because we're fucking Tottenham Hotspur. We're not Leicester. So if you want to go further and set these clubs' expectations, then you have to do something different. And to just continue to do business the way we're doing it is going to land us in the exact same spot year after year. So for me, that's the big point, is you have to change something. Yeah. And either Levy Levy has an epiphany and he realizes that, or he needs to go. And – I, I think or the latter is pretty. Or to, to take his hand off the steering wheel, like yeah, do the business I mean, that but... you're good at. Build a stadium, build a stadium, make that the best stadium in the world. Find ways to sell better tickets. And he him. did, and he did, and I also want to give him props for that too, because yeah, look at West Ham. When West Ham got their new stadium, the one that we also build at, like or bid on, they were whipping, like ripping out seats and whipping them at the owners' box. Like what we did, and he did, and took all the right moves to make that stadium our new home. So he did everything possibly that you could do right. He did it right. And he set us up to make a lot of money on boxing fights and concerts and NFL games. Like Levy is, he has done a lot of good for us, but we're here and we're no different than we were five years ago. So if you want to get further and you want to make us the club that we all believe we should be, as do most Spurs fans, 
then you have to do something different. Take your hands off the steering wheel and let somebody if else. If that's get what needs there. to happen, then yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah um, you can't have you can't have us with a lower net spend than Bournemouth and double yeah. half of what Brighton have spent. I mean, it's just absolutely it's it's shocking and it's going to have to change because. You know, you're seeing the transfer fees now. Like Levy, yeah, he's got deals in the past, great, but the the, the landscape's changing now. You have to spend money. We're going to get left behind. But you, you've seen the decline in the last few years, and it's going to get worse if we don't change change yeah. our ways. Yeah, definitely. Yes, essentially, the motto is you have to pay to play. Yeah. <clears throat> and I was putting, I think I put in the group chat to old Lucas, but I'm like. Levy's, it's it's nut cutting time essentially for Daniel Levy. It's like he's got to put up or shut up. Unfortunately, yeah. it's not the he's not putting where his money where his mouth is, and it's just and real quick. And Tommy, but the and I think one of the biggest problems has been that, and this is a massive compliment to Pochettino, which I don't usually do out, but it's a compliment to the way that we've actually been able to succeed, and same with Mourinho. Like, we've been able to get by with spending nothing. Like, the year after we were the first team in European history to never to not make a purchase in the summer window, what did we do? That summer, we were the first team in European history to not make a spend in the summer window. And that season, we went to a Champions League final. Just by dumb fucking luck and Lucas Mora having the game of his life and Youngman's son being a badass, those were the only two reasons that we got there. And Lorente's hip. Well, the, yeah, of course. And but like, <laughs> but that, that entire like, spring, that entire spring, we won one game away from home in the Premier League, and it was fucking Fulham. And it took an Nkudu cross to do it. So we were absolutely falling like apart. Like a miracle but the, cross by Nkudu. Yeah, exactly. At the last possible second, Harry Winks. But yeah. the dumb luck of it, the dumb luck of it, carried us forward. And Levy now gets to sit there feeling like, ah, I told you, we didn't need to spend. Oh, what we spent on Delhi and look at how great he was. So it's like Levy's gotten so lucky because Poch made these guys so good and made this team play the way they did that I, I think he's kind of still living in that motto where, hey, you know what? Like maybe I just don't spend and shit works itself out. But did the reality is it's like that's not the case. That good? Lucas just Those players you're damn right he did. Yeah. I will call I hold Poch accountable, but I will absolutely give Poch his due. And yeah. it's it, it's it, it, Levy lives off that, and I think that's where Levy's biggest flaw is, is that he thinks, hey, I can still, like, cheap my way out of this, and things will still work out. But the reality is that's not the way football works, and if you want to consistently make yourself a contender for the league and the Premier League and consistently make Champions League, which are the things that are important to us as Tottenham fans, you have to play that game. You can't just not spend and hope Potch fixes it or shit just randomly works out. I'm going to let Tommy bring it home, and then we have one question before we go to half. Oh, yes. Uh, no, you can answer. I, hate, I, I know, it just sounds kind of random now, but... No, but the thing with Levy, though, it's like... This is a little extreme, and I think Joe Joe should definitely get my reference here, but Daniel Levy and Mauricio Pochettino, like, they essentially pulled a homer, which means to succeed despite idiocy. So, like, everything that... Like, how you said, Lucas, it's like, dumb luck. They... Everything, all this shit happened in spite of itself. We should have never been there. 
I he don't know, have... Tommy. You can't say Poch was luck. Like he was, he did a brilliant no, job. To, well, to get the Champions League final, we it was all in spite of what happened. Like whether it be squad selection, the way the teams been playing at the time. I don't know. Like I, 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 I Harry Kane hurt again. Yeah, Lucas like, Moore. I'm not speaking. Like, I think for Levy, sure, like, for Levy, I agree with you 100%. He totally locked out. Like His best appointments have been the ones that weren't first choice. Like Martin Yol wasn't first choice. He did a great job. And Pochettino wasn't his first choice. Louis van Gaal was. And Pochettino... So I don't, I don't say Pochettino got lucky. I think Pochettino just did a fantastic job. Oh, yeah. And then, it, then it went sour at the end. But for Levy, I agree with you. I, I, I think he was not expected to do as well as he did Pochettino and then it got to the point where Pochettino's saying whoa wait a minute now we're competing with Man City now we're competing with Liverpool we need to act like they do we need to spend money like they do and Levy wasn't prepared to do it so I agree I I agree with what you're saying from a Levy point of view I think he got beyond where he expected to be didn't want to get on that train where we would have been up there and he was happy to just pay himself the highest that any other uh, chairman gets paid in the entire league and just coast around between 7th, 8th, or whatever, yeah. you know, like we're doing this well, season. that's kind of the other thing, though. Like, I don't know if Levy surrounds himself by yes-men or if he's just a micro... Like, it seems like he's a micromanager. But, like, the question, like, like somebody has to be asked him a question be like... Yeah, you got to the Champions League final, but like I feel like I still feel like it's in spite of self. Granted, I know that Pochettino, like in hindsight, Pochettino did overachieve, even though I've shitted on him numerous times. But with that, is like somebody's got to ask some questions. Like we should have done something like in last summer or during this, uh, or replace Musa Dembele. Like that could have gotten us over the hump and gotten us a Champions League win. But I don't know if either somebody asked him the question or if somebody actually said or if he actually took that comment seriously Go. yeah and oh, Lucas, Tommy go. yeah like I know I'm gonna bring this home quick but like and that's exactly what I'm talking about with Levy and the way we do business is the Dembele perfect example Erickson perfect example it's not about Levy in his head and we talked about maybe he needs to take his finger off the trigger in terms of football operations and he has too he's too involved he should not be deciding in his head it's Musa Dembele how do we get the most from this Erickson how do we get the most from this we should have sold Kieran Trippier the second that that 18 World Cup was over he was getting there was like talks of like 50 million dollar offers and like Everyone wanted him. It's like, that's the time to make the move. And that's where I go back to the way we do business is Levy's like, again, Erickson. Everyone hates Erickson, which, again, kind of bothers me. But everyone has this distaste for Erickson because of the way he went out. That last year wasn't very good. He seemed disinterested. He told us that. He verbally said, this isn't where I want to end my career. He should have been sold that summer. Instead, we forced him to stay because we didn't want to sell him. And then we ended up getting chump chains to enter and we wasted six months of all, which have been time that Giovanni Lacelso could have been playing. Dembele, same exact thing. Like he didn't need to limp his way to the end of the last six months of his contract. We could have sold him for a lot more and fair play to Levy for getting 11 to some Chinese team. But 
it's it's the way he does business is in his head it's how can we milk every single cent from this contract as opposed to this is the right time to sell let's do it now he's like no 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 let's let's wait let's wait it out and then we see these like declines and we see all this weirdness happen and it's like that's what i'm talking about with Levy, the way he does business he's done a lot of well he's done great things and we all praise like oh what a deal he got 11 million for musa dembele for the last six months of his contract but it's like if we had been more progressive and you had thought outside the box you could have done this two summers ago or last summer and we could have made a fortune and we could have started retra- like, training his replacement instead of being thrown under the bus and now Potch is like what the hell am I supposed to do with this yeah so no, it, I, it's I, all I about the way he does things needs to change yeah, or he needs to go it, that's why we need a director of football that can pull the trigger on that like this is the time to sell that we're never yeah. going to get a better market for this player and next year we're not going to get as much out of them so sell them Shit, now. we should have sold we should have sold Sissoko like two summers ago and we'd have made a fucking fortune yeah when he was like he was our player of the year yeah exactly that's the time to sell not now who's yeah. buying Moose Sissoko right now yeah nobody is other yeah. than other than the French national manager like he'll take him yeah. But we don't get money for that. <laughs> but I, wa- I want to go to, uh, we have one question before we go to half. Let's let's tackle it fast. And this one's mostly for you, Joe. So d- definitely gear up to answer this one. Uh, Tommy, you got the question queued up? Yeah, it's Shoes' question, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, our good friend Shoes from London. Uh, it's one for Joe. Well, both Joes. Uh, Joe on our podcast and uh, Joe for... I forget. Ah, fuck. Joe T. Yeah. No, I was going to say where we're from Gloucestershire or wherever you call it. Um, uh, British Rick and John, uh, our search for a new coach slash director of football has been so comical. Don't disagree. Um, Would Captain uh, Mainwaring do a better job than Levy and Hitchin? Um, Joe, I'm leaning on you to tell us who Captain Mainwaring is. And Cap- answer the question, yeah. of course. Captain Mannering. So this is one of... Oh, we love you, Shubes, with your niche British culture references. It's off a TV show called Dad's Army that was a long-standing TV show in, a, in England. And basically, this, this guy's a hapless, you know, means well, but just a bumbling idiot. And basically, it is very similar to that, Shubes. And we, I feel like we've kind of already touched a, quite a bit on this, but just the nature like of... Homer the, Simpson. Yeah, well, that's Wait, Joe, is this is this like the was dad's was dad's army like the BBC one where it's like a World War Two show or something? Right, it was the World War Two one. It was the one okay, that yeah. like didn't actually go out to fight and they just set yeah. Up, like, I, I remember. I don't remember the character, but I remember the show. I know the yeah. show. Go on, so it's a good one. But um, yeah, exactly, Tommy. It's a bit like your Homer Simpson uh, reference as well. You know, it's just showing the the kind of mismanagement, the idiocy, the lack of direction, lack of a cohesive plan. I mean, it's, you know, slapstick comedy at its best, really. And it's just, I don't know, only Tottenham could make you pissed off two weeks after the season's finished. You know, it's like the close season, no games, and you're still, like, spending your Friday evenings pulling your hair out because they've managed to mess up. A world-class manager presents himself and basically says, I'm interested if you are, and we managed to completely make a, a, a mess of it. So very reminiscent of um, Captain Mannering or Homer Simpson um, as well, definitely. Yeah, tragic, very tragic. 
Well, great conversation this first half, but, but we do still have to preview the Euros in second half. So I think um, it's a good time to go to half, and we are going to go to Tommy's back page update. Thanks, Anthony. Um, as Anthony just said, I'm Tommy, and this is your back page update. So even aside from the lack of managerial traction, there has been some random squad musings, I guess, if you want to call it that. But um, according to Goal, Saudi Arabian clubs Al-Hilal and al Nasser are interested in obtaining the services of attacking midfielder Lucas Mora. Um, I should be the first one to note that Goal is not reliable. Um, so any halfway decent player for Spurs is bound to have a rumor um, just because um, the club is in purgatory right now. We're in a state of transition. We have no manager. I mean, un- unofficially, we do have a director of football, but officially we don't. So take that for what it's worth. Um, if Lucas Moore were to leave, I wouldn't blame him just because of the money. And it sounds like he's probably not going to have a future with Brazil. Um, but I would like to think that the next manager would see some value in him. Um, such qualities are speed, pressing, and defensively sound as an attacker. Um, he actually puts in effort. So I'd like to think the manager would keep him because of that. Because we, like, when you ever have a new manager, like effort, I would say effort is at least one of the biggest qualities aside from talent. Uh, next up, rumors are floating around that Manchester United are inquiring about the availability of midfielder Harry Winks. Why? Don't know. Don't care. Uh, right now, I'll be honest, I'd, pay for, I'd gladly pay for a rickshaw and take it to Manchester. Next up, according to an interview with uh, Lekeep, right back Serge Aurier has told the club that he wants to leave this summer, saying he has reached the end of his cycle at Spurs. Um, as of right now, his contract is set to expire next summer, and he doesn't intend on signing a new contract if offered. Um, the club that he wants to go to is PSG. So it's not really really surprising. Uh, he has spent previous off-seasons looking for a club, so this does coincide with what he said with this interview. Um, and this, But, like, realistically, this is the second season he has been playing consistently and is the de facto right back. I'm not sure why he would want to go to PSG aside from the pay. Um, I, I shit on him a lot. And I kind of don't want to anymore because it's that tie has been that's been passed. But previously, manager Mauricio Pochettino, I mean, he hasn't been playing him consistently at the time. Kieran Trippier was preferred at the time, so why would he start playing him now when PSG has a huge bankroll and could afford pretty much any right back that they want? So um, my only wish is, if sold, we better buy another right back because I don't want to depend on Matt Doherty as of right now, as he hasn't been setting the world on fire. I mean, for argument's sake, if he was, if Conte was manager, he could do better because he'll be a right wing back again. And also, while I do like uh, Jafet Tenganga, he isn't a true right back. Um, lastly, according to journalist Fabrizio Romano, Spurs have identified a center back that they want to sign. It's uh, Joe Kim Anderson. Um, you might know him because he was on fo- loan with Fulham this previous season, but he is contracted to Lyon in Ligue 1. Um, it's also noted by The Athletic that he has chosen Spurs as a club that he wants to join. So I would definitely welcome this signing as we could use a center back, of course. And he was a bright spot in, uh, even though Fulham did get relegated last season. So 
If Spurs want him, sounds like Anderson does want to come here. The only biggest issue is a transfer fee. And as I've noted with Daniel Levy or Lucas has said, or actually all of us have said, Joe and Anthony as well, it's no easy task because we're going to negotiate nickel and dime. And yeah, it's going to be, it could be a sad story. But I'm Tommy and this is your back page update. Well, thanks for that, Tommy. And it's like it's it's so tough to talk about these additional transfers when we don't have a coach. So we don't know what style we're going to be playing. Like, yeah, we're going to need a center back. So I guess that's a responsible decision. Selling Winks to for twenty five million to United, I would do it in a second. I'd be like, uh, um, yeah, like you said, I, I'd rickshaw him there myself, even if I had to drive across the the whole of England on a bicycle, but. It's just, it's like, how do you make these decisions without a coach and you don't know what style you're playing? And that's that's kind of where we're at right now. Uh, uh, Lucas? Yeah, so <clears throat> to touch on Tommy's, a quick little, a quick little bit here on Tommy's like, update. First, Lucas, again, I'm a little bit biased. I love the man. So I, I don't think you, I don't think you sell him right now. I would never. Um, like, Lamella. Lucas could be our Lamella going forward, like that bench guy. Lucas has proved that he wants to be here. And again, him and his family moving to Saudi Arabia, like his wife is like a fashion model. Like I think she loves London as much as we do. So I, I don't see that happening. But again, Lucas could be like a like for the last eight years what Lamella has been, except he's actually good. So I would love that. Keep him. I have a rule against selling to our rivals. I tend to not want to do that. But the Winks one, I will drive him there myself. Like, Winks, for free, I'll send him to United. Take him. <laughs> Absolutely. But then the PSG one with uh, Serge, and again, I love Serge. I've backed him since day one. Um, I think he's made it clear. He's verbally said, I want to go to PSG. Fine. Tommy... You were a little bit wrong there when you said he wasn't favored by Poch. He actually was. If you remember that year that we went to the Champions League final, he was the chosen right back until he went on international break and punched broke his hand. Yeah. And broke his hand like an idiot. But he was the chosen one, which is why he started that game against uh, Dortmund at Wembley. Oh, yeah. And he had a couple of phenomenal cross. One of his crosses was to Vertonghen. So it's like he was phenomenal. He played amazing. He was the guy. And then he ruined it himself by being an idiot, which is, again, it's the blessing and the curse that is Serge. I thought Serge, realistically, was one of our top two defenders this year throughout the season. That's the player player we had a great year. That was the player that we knew we were buying when we got Serge, though. Yeah, you knew it's it's give it and take it away. He, no, he had the, he, he had the behavioral issues before he left uh, PSG to come to us, and, and the only the only downside is is we had the offense we were attacking, so we were able to put up more goals. So it was like, hey, we won four two, and Serge gave away a dumb goal. That's okay. But now when everything changed, it was that like when Poch got ran out of town, then all of a sudden everything switched, and now it's hey Serge, your dumb mistake will cost us the game which he did against Leicester the first time yeah. when he gave that penalty away for no reason and shit like mm-hmm. that. Or even in the league cup final where he had the fall 
what didn't need to be a foul. Yeah. It was not even a scoring threat. But that doesn't negate how great of a defender he was for us the entire year. He single-handedly bossed City the first time we played him. He was phenomenal against Arsenal and Chelsea. This was a guy that uh, had a goal and assist against Ars- or, uh, United away. He had a goal and assist at Old Trafford. Like This was a guy that was a clear dynamite player for us. But he has always got that little bit of him that will do the dumbest thing. That if the rest of your game plan is set up around it, it will fuck you. And that's what we've done. So if he wants to leave, I get it. But I just, I, I don't think the the theory of like Poch didn't choose him, like that's a little bit. Joe, real fast before we start previewing the Euros. Yeah, just just on that, Lucas, I, I agree. I, I think Serge is has been a good player. I think he is a good player, but at the end of the day, he's been quite clear that he, he's not going to sign a new contract for a while now. And like you guys were saying earlier, and I agreed with you is you have to sell at the right time. And I'd rather we got some money for surge, right. Rather than got another year out of him and he doesn't want to really be here. And then we get lose him on a Bosman free transfer. So I, I've got no, Ill feeling really towards Serge, but I think it does make sense to sell him. Especially he wants to go, and it's it makes sense. Is is Dennis Serkin a left back or a right back? He's a left back. All right. Hypothetically, if there was like a right back that mm. could grow from this year, I'd rather do what Joe said and sell him now and give somebody the chance to grow. Even if it is Tanganga, I don't think it is. But like maybe Tanganga turns out like Dyer started at fullback. Like maybe. Gareth Bale started at fullback, so we don't know. Like, well, Lucas, I would rather give somebody the chance in sell surge now. I completely agree with Joe on that one. Like, we could give somebody the chance to fill in. Who knows? Maybe they slot in and they're a hero and they become our new right back. But real, real quick, know. Lucas, I agree, I agree with you 100%. But this, again, goes back to what we already said. The lack of planning. We don't know who the manager's going to be. If Conte would have been coming in, we wouldn't even need a right back. We'd have a right wing back and maybe Doherty... I know he's had a really poor season, but he's not a bad player. He's shown for Wolves he can do a good job, right? And he even played pretty well against Leicester, I, I thought. If we're playing that system, we don't need a right-back. This is why this guy, Paratici's got such a tough job because he doesn't even know what positions we need to fill. You know, we might not need to play a right a conventional right full-back. We might have a right wing-back. So then it's different situations. So it just shows how hard it is at the moment to even know. Yeah, we're in a, a hell of a predicament. Um, but hopefully we can use the Euros to... Uh, we we can get our coach early on in the Euro process. Like, I thought we were going to be resolved by now. But hopefully by the end of this week, first week of the Euros, we resolve this coach situation. We know what we're going to do. And then we can watch these Euros and see if there's players that we might want to swipe up. Like there might be some players that 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 show some talent that might be worth uh, Spurs scooping up. Um, and that what was a swipe hat- up. Are you what is swipe up? Are you an online dating guy? <laughs> swipe left or right? I don't know. Oh, okay. I, I met my wife in a bar, so I don't know. Yeah, I was gonna say we'll, we'll we'll have a talk with Shannon after this. But go on. But, but regardless. Uh, it was a shitty transition, but thanks for calling me out on it, Lucas. Uh, but we're going to talk about the Euros now. Um, so I, just real fast, I'm going to talk about the groups in the group stage. We're not going to cover every group. 
Uh, but each of us are going to pick a team that we want to focus in on and then a player that we want to focus in on and we'll watch in this uh, group stage of the World Cup. And we'll probably come back after the group stage sometime and have another conversation. And hopefully we'll have a coach by then to talk about. Uh, but right now, Group A is uh, Turkey, Italy, Wales, and Switzerland. Group B is Denmark, Finland, Belgium, and Russia. Group C is the Netherlands, Ukraine, Austria, and North Macedonia. Group D is England, Croatia, Czech Republic, and Scotland. Group E is Spain, Sweden, Poland, and Slovakia. And Group F is Portugal, France, Germany, and Hungary. That's, uh, I guess that's probably the group of death, isn't it? That's uh, definitely the group of death, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah but... Um, but regardless, we're gonna. I'm gonna go to each one of you, and you can t- tell me who your team is that you uh, want to focus in on, and t- tell me what player it doesn't have to be from the same team, but you can focus in on a specific player that you will kind of want to keep your eyeball on as we watch this uh, uh, Euro Cup. And, and let's uh, we we can focus in on the, a little bit of Spurs players that might be playing in this. We don't have as many as we usually do. But there's still a few of them out there, so it might be worth focusing in a little bit on those as well. Uh, let's start with Joe first, because I think uh, this is probably the team we most want to talk about. Yeah, I guess I'm I'm obliged through blind patriotism to uh, to say England. I know Rick, uh, our friend Rick here, would be cringing because he's uh, doesn't doesn't think we have much chance, but actually. I do. I think England look pretty good. I don't think we're going to win the tournament. I, I would, uh, I'd say France are the favourites because their team, their squad's so strong. But um, I really like the look of this England team at the moment. They've, he, I, I'm not convinced about Southgate. You know, I think he's kind of stumbled across a really good set of players at the, uh, a quite a lucky time. And that's the thing with tournament football. And you guys will know this from following the US team as well. It's like. There's just no guarantees. Like sometimes it just happens to fall when you've got a really strong squad, a, a major tournament, and there are times when you are going through a bad spell and it's you know, and they, the stars have kind of aligned a little bit for Southgate because he's got attack wise, you know, obviously we all know Harry Kane, right? So he's the main man, he's the captain. But then you've also got Grealish, who has been obviously been around a while. He's not like he's the, a kid, but he's really improved massively. Like we've all seen that this season. He's been one of the best players in the whole league for Villa. Uh, he's been absolutely fantastic. And he's, he's looking so good when he plays for England. He's kind of been compared to Gascoigne when he came on the scene back in 1990, which I think is a bit over the top, but yeah, I can see where that comes from. He's just such a, a flair player to watch. Um, so I'm really enjoying watching Grealish and Foden as well. I think he'll start. I think it'll be um, it'll be those three uh, as the front three for England. So defensively, I don't think England are very good. If I'm being honest, I think at right back we've got a wealth of options. Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold got injured, but actually was talk he wouldn't even get in the squad. I mean that shows how many good options we have at right back. Whether it's Reese James or Kyle Walker or uh, Lucas's favourite player, Kieran Trippier, um, will I guess <laughs> we'll we'll see on a game by game basis. But centre back is where they're a bit weak. Maguire's been injured. I don't know if he's going to be fit enough to even play 
after the group stages. So I, I don't know if that, I think that might cost them in terms of being the eventual winners, but I think England will be a lot of fun to watch uh, in an attacking capacity, if nothing else. You know, I hear you definitely. Um, before you give us your uh, player, I'd like to go to a question that we have from Kyle Mates. Uh, uh, Tommy, you have that queued up? Yep. Uh, so our good friend Kyle from Indy uh, has a question. It is, do you think England's success in the Euros will have any effect on Harry Kane's decision this summer? I'll just say no. Um, and I... I mean, unless if he wants, unless if, say, for argument's sake, England wins, and he's like, you know what, winning actually feels pretty good. I want to continue. Wait, this. Tom, Tom, can, Tom, can I interject? Did you say Harry Kane's decision or the yes. Harry Kane decision? Harry Kane's decision. It's not Harry Kane's decision. Is the point? Harry Kane has no call in any of this. He's got three years left on his contract. He is. Yeah, Harry Kane has no decision to make. His only decision would be, should I be a prat and like try and. Luka Modric my way out of this, but... And he won't. Of course he won't, because he has goals to set at Spurs still, but I and I guess I just took turn here. I'll go first. Um, yeah, I think it doesn't matter if he wins the World Cup. If anything, that'll just make dollar signs grow bigger in Daniel Levy's eyes, which, again, he won't sell him. Especially now that we've mucked up the Conte thing. Our only thing that is our selling point for Tottenham Hotspur at this point is that we have the best player in the world. So if anything, if we're not going to buy the right manager, we're not going to do any of the right moves, keeping Harry Kane sells billboards, sells those like big posters at tube stops that you can look at and be like, wow, Harry Kane, come see Tottenham Hotspur. Come do our to dare walk or whatever the stadium like, like walk is across the top. Like This is all money money signs in Daniel Levy's eyes, the better Harry Kane does, it doesn't really mean we're going to sell him at this point. If we're not going to actually go win stuff, at least you have that guy that is your attraction for someone to come watch Tottenham play. So I, I think to say it's his choice is kind of silly because Harry could want to get the hell out of here more than anyone, but it's not his call. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And I don't think Daniel Levy is going to let him go. Um, this year, like maybe next, maybe next year, but like th- not in this market where nobody's going to pay up what he's worth. Um, I think we sit on this another year, and and that might be the right time to sell. And, and uh, like this might not be the right season to sell because of COVID. Uh, Joe, uh, the Lucas absolutely nailed it for me. That's what I've been saying all along. This whole situation when Kane did his quote-unquote emotional goodbye stuff against Villa, I was just thinking, what, what is this? This is a joke. You don't just decide, oh, you know what, I, I want to go. It doesn't work that way. You've got three years on your contract, you know? And the way that we've been brainwashed a lot and a lot of people into think accepting this as an inevitability, it makes me laugh because when the Pochettino links came up, the same people were saying, whoa, no, we can't get Pochettino because he's got two years on his PSG contract. Well, wait a minute. So whilst Pochettino can quit and then come to Spurs, that is much more feasible than Kane going, which is like you guys just said, after the PR disaster of the Conte situation, the last thing the club wants to do is sell the star player. It's not, I don't see it happening. 
Kane isn't going to go on strike. He isn't going to throw his toys out the pram. He's not that kind of guy. He is not that kind of guy. He's got three years left on his deal. To me, this is just... I'm not saying that there isn't a willingness on his part to go. I think if City or whoever, United maybe, whatever team put up the money, he would be tempted. Clearly, there's a temptation. But you don't. can you blame him? Look at us as fans. We're really pissed off at the moment. I don't blame Kane for being annoyed at the situation at Spurs at the moment. But I, I think that, like Lucas exactly said, there's, there's no decision to be made. It's not his call. He's contracted for three more years, and that's pretty much the, the long and short of it. But just to answer Kyle's, I, I think it's a good question, though, because I actually fought this myself in 2018 when England messed it up in the semi-finals against Croatia. I remember thinking, I wish you'd bloody... Well, I wish they'd won it because I'm an English, an English person and I wanted England to win, but from a Tottenham perspective, I wish he'd won it because I think that might have satisfied his, you know, that's a trophy, isn't it? Spurs didn't win it, but he would have been a World Cup winner and that might have made him more content with, you know, not winning stuff at, at Tottenham. So I, I I don't think it's a, I think it's a good question in that respect, but there's no decision to be made in that, in, in from Kane's point of view. Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, we've kind of stepped all over your pick, but I agree with you. I think that like, they're probably not going to win, but this might be the best England squad we've seen going into a Euro Cup, at least since I've been following. I mean, I think they are the best positioned. Like, if any team has a chance, it's probably this England squad. Um, uh, or, any final? Or I was uh, going to say, probably since '96. Yeah, right, Joe. Yeah, I mean it, that was that was a great team. We well, we've had really good teams. Going early 2000s, like 2004 Euros, I always think that was a golden, they called it the golden generation, which sounds kind of cringy, but it was, you know, Beckham, well, it's not so much Skulls, he wasn't really a part, but Lampard, Gerrard, John Terry, that, you know, that was a Gary Neville, etc. Ashley Cole, that was a really good squad, but didn't, didn't that first quite game kind of, That first game against France didn't help, though. Well, no. I mean... Well, we were winning until so we missed a, missed a penalty and then they punished us. Yeah. Uh, Lucas, uh, you want to chime in? Yeah, I mean, don't mean to be a prick here to Joe, but I mean, this is when is the last time England hasn't spurs it up, if we're going to be honest? Like, they usually, it's like Jurassic Park, like Spurs will find a way. Like, Spurs will find a way to muck this up. And if you're any other of the players in England, and your captain is the guy that hasn't won a single. He's the best player in the world, but he has never got it over the line in anything as like small as an FA or League Cup. Like if he can't win a League Cup, he can't win an FA Cup. If you're anyone else, what other guys in England are there that haven't won a cup? Like most of them have. Any they've won Champions Leagues, Premier Leagues, FA Cups, League Cups, and here's Harry Kane leading the charge, being like, "Guys, I got this. Follow me." I mean. I'd be like, what the fuck do you know? You couldn't beat City in the final. Chelsea did. Got knocked out like, by Croatia Zagreb. Yeah, exactly. Couldn't I score mean, a goal I, away against Zagreb. Like, I, I, I mean, like that's why I think that there's, and I agree with like this. We don't. I think Southgate is kind of. We don't know what Southgate's legacy is going to be, but if you're Southgate right now, like, in in my eyes at least, and again, I'm not the. He's probably the worst guy to have on the international football podcast because I hate it. But Southgate's going to be, as of right now, his legacy is I've bottled it a couple times. 
with some pretty dynamite squads. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, Joe, let's go to your, uh, what player are you going to focus in on? Yeah, so, yeah, and Lucas makes some fair points there. I, 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 imagine the pain for me, mate. I'm a Spurs fan and an England fan. Like, we just never, ever bloody do anything, you know. It's it's so uh, disappointing, but I'm looking forward to it. Spurs, Spurs Ireland fan. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, there you go. At least England got there, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so for the, I pick we, you know, like Anthony just said, we're all going to pick a, an individual player, and I didn't want to pick someone too obvious. You know, everyone knows about obviously the Spurs ones, and I'm not going to pick like Ronaldo or something too obvious. So there's a player we actually got linked with. I thought Tommy might have even mentioned it on the back page update, and especially as Tommy will have a fondness for who I'm picking because he's a Swedish player, um, but it's Dejan Kulovetsky who plays for Juventus. Um, this guy is phenomenal I, I i absolutely i think he's brilliant i i watch quite a lot of Serie A. probably after the premier league it's the league i i kind of follow the most I, I just kind of got into it last few years and he's only 21 years old plays on the right wing but he looks like he's about 28 like he's solid strong technically very adept quick like he, I, I think this guy is going to be a superstar in about four or five years' time. I think he's a brilliant player, and I, when I saw his link with him today, I, I mean, a there's no chance. Like Juventus are not going to sell one of their star players um, to a team that isn't even in the Europa League, never mind the Champions League. Um, but the reason, and another reason, I wanted to pick this guy, Paratici, our new director of football, found. Kulovetsky. Um, so I, I wanted to bring him to the attention of uh, Spurs fans because, you know, this is a promising thing. You know, we're all, we've all been very doom and gloom about the, and quite rightly so as well, about the situation currently with the manager, quote unquote, search that's going on. But let's take a positive here. I think this this guy, Paratici, has got some real pedigree. He's the one who found Dybala from, when he brought him over from South America to Juventus. Um I think there's there's been a there's been a few that he uh, Weston McKenney, the US guy he was the one who, who found him and there's there's several others but this Kulovetsky guy I really rate him highly so um, Tommy will probably talk more about the the team Sweden his team but I'll, I I think this guy in particular is one one to watch and looking forward to seeing him play. Well, thanks for that, Joe and uh, Lucas is going to interject fast, but we're going to go to Tommy next for his uh... yeah. Picks. Yeah, just just real quick. I'm like one of the crazy things that I find fascinating about this tournament is that, like England, if they were to win, which I mean, presumably they will win Group D, they immediately get their first like round of sixteen knockout game is against the runner up. A lot of the teams, there's oh you could maybe get the B, C, or D, like or you could get the third place team. From what I've seen, it's. England wins, they get the runner up of Group F. Yeah, straight which away. Is the group, which is the, which group is the best death. group. So, like, they so, might end up facing Germany or France or Portugal, like, Portugal. in their first, like, that could be their first knockout game is against a team where a team that is from a lesser group could be, you could be a runner up of a group and face a lesser team than England might face from winning their group, which I find crazy, but. No, the, Lucas, you're spot on, mate. The, the, the format is is a bit weird. Like it's, it's mental. I don't I don't yeah. get it, but I, I think yeah. they changed it because I don't know if it's to do with 
everything that's been going on with COVID and they didn't want, I don't know what the basis for this is, but of the 24 teams in the Euros, there's only actually eight that get eliminated in this first stage. Um, so that there's 16 that go, like you just said, to the next, to the knockout round. So it can even be advantageous in, for some teams to finish third, weird as this sounds, you can qualify as being one of the highest third place finishers. And like Lucas just said, you can avoid a potentially much harder draw than if you won the group. So it's it's crazy in that sense. But, and I'll just finally say this quickly, I think it bodes for a good tournament because you do get unpredictable games then. It's like you'd get randomly England versus France in the first knockout game. And it's like, whoa, I thought that would have been the semi and I think that's why in the Euros we've had upsets in the past. Like 1992, Denmark won the tournament, even though they didn't qualify. They only got there because political reasons, the former Soviet, uh, no, the former Yugoslavia. Yugoslavia collapsed. Yeah, the collapse of the former Yugoslavia. So didn't Denmark Greece win one? Gre- yeah, exactly. Even better example, Greece won in 04. And even Portugal winning the last one was a bit of a shock. So I, I'm agreeing with you, Lucas, but I think it can make for some interesting uh, early knockout games. It, it's bullshit, but it could be entertaining bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a good way to put it. Um, Tommy, let's go to your uh, your team first and then your player pick. Oh, thanks, Anthony. So, okay, as everybody will probably know, uh, Sweden is my team. If you want to know why, you can watch or go to fourstarspurs.com and look at my blog entry from a few years ago. It'll tell you everything. Um, but, so, uh, yeah, Sweden, I mean, with the group, they got, uh, fuck, I already forgot. Oh, we got Spain, Slovakia, and uh, Poland. Poland, I mean, all they have is Lewandowski. It feels like, I mean, I, I'm not saying, I mean, with Sweden, I mean, they're, they aren't the strongest side. I will say that first. Um, kind of like the World Cup from a few years ago, they played better as a team. This team is cohesive. They don't score a lot of goals, but at times they get the job done. Um, uh, Slovakia, I mean, they're okay, but they're not great either. So I'm thinking, like, we should at least get, like, with, uh, I already forget the team already. Slovakia and Poland, like, we should at least get ties against them. Spain, that's the first game. So, at least, uh, the, the only good thing about that is we at least get them out of the way next Monday. We could, I mean, if we can scrape through a tie with that, I'll gladly take it. But, <coughs> excuse me. So, I, in terms of the squad, though, it's, I mean, as a Sweden fan, I'm looking at the squad, like, the only omission is Zlatan Ibrahimovic. And as everybody knows, I love him. But the only reason he was not in the squad is because he picked up an injury later in the year, um, like, a, like a month ago. He was slated to come in. Uh, Jordan Larson, that last name might sound familiar. Um, Henrik Larson's son actually took his spot. So um, the squad more or less speaks for itself. We, like, if, if you're a Premier League fan... Robin Olsen, uh, he came on loan to Everton, so he was kind of switching back and forth with Jordan Pickford. I mean, let's be realistic, Pickford's not that great. So Robin Olsen did start some games. He did provide some competition for Pickford. Um, other big names, Victor Lindelof, center back for Man United. I think he's very good. He's uh, defensively sound. 
Um, Sebastian Larson, you might have known him. He originally was with the uh, Arsenal, and then he played for Birmingham City, I think Hull City for a little bit. Had a relatively lengthy stay in the Premier League. Emil Forsberg, um, if you follow Bundesliga, he plays for Red Bull Leipzig. Um, another big name, Alexander Isak. Uh, he's only 21 years old, and that's actually one of the guys that I'm looking for. Uh, as of right now, he's probably slated, like, Sweden's kind of boring just because of the players that they have. But they play a old-school 4-4-2. So Isak and Marcus Berger, they're probably going to be the forward pairing. Um, Isak actually, he plays for Real Sociedad in La Liga, and he used to be contracted to Borussia Dortmund, who, and he didn't play a lot because he was just so young. Um, but he's actually doing, he had a good, I, from what I remember in La Liga, he scored like a goal almost every other game for them. So that return's not bad, and he's doing pretty decent um, for international duty for Sweden. So I'm happy about that. Um, let's see. Pontus Janssen, you might have heard of him. Uh, he plays for Brentford, so you'll probably see him next season in the Premier League. As Joe said, uh, Dejan Kulishevsky. I I didn't see him a lot this season because I don't follow Juventus, but my Serie A team is Parma, and he was on he was on loan for Parma last season. Joe hit the nail on the head. He's very technically sound. He's very strong. Only 21 years old. He is not – I wouldn't, I don't know if he's fast per se, so I wouldn't say he's like the Freddie Lundberg type um, in terms of the Sweden right winger, but I really like what he sees. I think him, uh, Lindelof, Isak, and Jordan Lawson – or Jordan Larson, those are probably going to be kind of the core for the Sweden squad in the next for the next 10 years. Um, the other player that I want to talk about is Jordan Larson, of course. Um, he plays for Spartak Moscow right now. That's actually a buy that I wouldn't mind Spurs paying for because he's around fifteen million right now. He's pretty fast, just like his dad. This he's he, he's kind of a hybrid, kind of like I don't know, like, he's kind of like Son, where he's got the speed. He can play as a four, but he's also a winger. So I wouldn't be surprised if he kind of platooned in either of those two, two positions. If he came on, we'll kind of see, of course, but um. Right now, I, I think Sweden's chances of getting out of the group are pretty good, but um, you know it, it's a big t- it's a it's the Euro, so you never know. That's all it I got. Like a, it seems like a tough group, but like uh, oh, but they have proved yeah. themselves to be able to get out of tough groups before. Yeah, and uh, Jan Anderson, he used you know, he's still the manager. Um, he's gotten us through some qualifiers, like or this qualifier, like we got runner up, but like. He was manager of the previous cycle for the World Cup. We got a little bit lucky with, like, Hugo Lloris fucking it up in a qualifier. And we, you know, Netherlands fucking up. But, like, we could, like, if if they dig deep and play as a team, they can easily make it into the next round. It's international play. A lot of fuck-ups happen, let's face it. Oh, yeah. So you you, you can kind of, like, you can ride on that, like, if you play well enough to make fuck-ups happen. Um, and that, that, that's kind of the, like you're playing a team that's out of your class, just play hard, play defensive and, and then, uh, hit fast on the counter and hope that like, uh, uh, somebody makes a mistake. And I think you can do that with international play where these guys don't have all that time with their coach and, 
it's a it's a little bit sloppy compared to league play that we're used to watching. But um, great picks there, Tommy. Uh, let's go to Lucas next. Uh, let's not. Let's send it back to you. Let's do yours. Uh, I feel like we owe it to the listeners. We know that mine's going to be a downer. It's going to be against English, or not English specifically, but against international football. So let's keep the momentum going with you and your picks. I'll go last. Oh, okay. So we'll, we'll bring it. Mine will be more. Mine's, mine's going to be more Spurs anyway, because that's all I care about. But you go next. We're we're going to end with a downer. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, my, my pick is. Uh, Belgium, as many of you know, I've traveled to Belgium. I really had a great time in that country. Um, I really had a thing for Moussa Dembele. He obviously he doesn't make the squad at this stage anymore, but like he he was one of my favorite players. And I started following Belgium when they were kind of this up and coming squad, and they've kind of seemed like they've just like uh, had a lot of near misses in Euro Cups and World Cups. They were just always almost good enough. And I think they're kind of still there, but I kind of think that this might be their last chance. Like their their defense is aging out. Their um, um, uh, but but the good news is is that De Bruyne seems like he's going to be back from surgery to be able to play for them, which is going to be a key key player for them. Um, they have a a really easy group. I think is the best part of it like uh denmark finland belgium and russia like they should be able to lead that group um i don't see any way that they're not getting out of the group um regardless and and we we've all seen like this tournament's like uh going to be a mess that like even if they came in third place they might get the best draw out of the group so i I, I think they could advance. I don't know that they're going to win this uh, this one, but I think this might be their last chance for a while. I think uh, a, a country that small is going to start to fade eventually. Um, like a lot of their best players are good, getting older where they like go back eight years, they were the young team that was like, kind of up and coming. Uh, but it would kind of be cool to see Chadley uh, come off the bench and score a goal. It would be... Uh, yeah, it, as much as I don't like Lukaku, like uh, he certainly uh, found himself in other leagues and performed. So uh, I think it could be interesting. I think with the group set up, like I don't know what's going to happen after the group, but I think this team will advance and, uh, and I'm certainly going to be following them. Um, for the player I picked, um, and I hate to pick a city player, but like uh Ferran Torres, like, for Spain, uh, this past fall, he um, he was part of like a six nil route of Germany in international play, where he had scored a hat trick, um, which was pretty impressive. Like young twenty one year old player, um, I think that this could be a tournament where like you could see a guy like him step up and like it, 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 he could be one of those ones that draws attention, like it, that you see in these cups where um, somebody that you know is good, but you don't really expect to be somebody to boss matches. Like in, for, for a Spain that I think is a little bit more on the wane, I think uh, th- this could be a player that could be exciting for them to, to have right now. He also, like he's 
proven himself in international play. I mean, he had uh, four goals in the Champions League group stage um, last year, so he so he's used to to playing in big matches. Uh, I I think uh, this could be a guy to watch. Not that not that he's a guy that I want to feel good about. I hate feeling good about City, but like I, when I was eyeballing, like who do I want to focus in on? This guy is good, and I wouldn't be surprised if we saw something special out of him in this cup that's kind of unexpected. So that's where I picked him, like somebody just off the beaten path a little bit. Um, I I think we're ready for you, Lucas. So I think that's kind of like where I leave off with the with this. So are, are you ready to give us the downer? All right, we'll call it a downer, but. My team to watch and my player to watch are on the same side. So my team to watch is going to be Wales. Do I think they're going to go on in the tournament? No. Um, but if you're like me and you hate international football, then but you love Spurs, then yes, your team to watch would be Wales. I think there's a couple of massive little bits at play there that could be important for us moving forward. And yes, it's a British team, but it's not the hatred that I have for England and the crazy irony that comes with international football and Scousers, Geordies, and Gooners all blasting Harry Kane for every three years and nine months out of four. But three years, they're just singing Kumbaya for Harry Kane and it's coming home. But this is a British team that – look at Gareth Bale. Um, I think Gareth proved over the last six months that he is – fully back to who he is. We saw him single-handedly take over games, um, whether it be Mason or Mourinho refusing to play him. When he comes on, you see how he can absolutely boss a game. Um, so this is someone, again, the group is not that difficult. Turkey, Italy, Switzerland, and Wales. So I think there's a way they can get out of this group. And for the players to watch, I actually have two. I put Rodan and Ben Davis. Um, Joe Rodan's looking at a space that this could kind of be his time to shine where you're looking at a Spurs side that has, I mean, we'll all admit what's our biggest pet peeve been over the last 12 months. is like our center backs are shit. So his, uh, his opposition coming back to Spurs is what? Like Sanchez and Dyer and Toby who have all, I mean, Sanchez and Toby each had a bogus penalty in the last game of the season, the game we needed to win. Dyer's the first one that, has a great game and then the next day just decides not to pay attention and lets one in. So I think if you're Joe Roden, it's like, this is your chance to kind of make a, whoever the new manager is going to be, this is your chance to kind of make a little bit of a statement saying, Hey, I deserve a shot to start over than Sanchez or Toby or Dyer who have proven themselves incapable time and time again. And kind of the same thing goes for Ben Davis. If you're Ben Davis, I mean, I'm going to go back to surge here real quick, but, I think we as Spurs fans are so quick to jump on a good thing that someone does and then we latch to it. And whether that be good or bad, same goes for bad. I think we've all latched on to Serge for his mistakes so we don't view the great games that he has. We just disregard him. And the same goes the other way with somebody like Regulon. Regulon was our biggest defensive liability for the last six months. He was an absolute nightmare defensively. And to be honest, he didn't really create much going forward. 
which is like if you're a center back or excuse me, a left back, you have to do one of the two. Either be a great defender, but you attack and create chances, or the opposite, which is what Ben Davis has proved. He doesn't create a lot, but he's solid as hell as a left back. And Ben Davis has three more years on his contract, and his only opposition is maybe a returning Cesson Young, who seems to only be a wingback. And again, we don't know who the new manager is going to be. But if you're Ben Davis, you're absolutely seeing this as an opportunity to nail down a spot for Spurs. Like if Regulon and a returning wingback in Sessegnon is your competition, who's to say you can't go and prove why you should be the starting Spurs left back going into next season? So this could be a player to watch in this tournament because he could absolutely prove himself or at least make a case for himself as to why he should be a starter in the Premier League. So Ben Davis and Joe Roden, I think, have absolutely big – this is big for both of them as to why they could probably win a spot in the Premier League. No, good shot there. And like, look, looking at the the Spurs angle on, I, I think is uh, is definitely the way to go. And wasn't uh, that big of a downer, was it? Yeah, no, it wasn't a big downer at all. Like, and uh, like, I I certainly can root for Ben Davies, like uh, or Davis. I'm sorry, Tommy Davis. Uh, I'm gonna call it's him Davis. But uh, regardless, um, I I can root for that guy to do well because, like, I think he's a solid person. Like, and he's been a, like, a good advocate for the club. Like, I have no problems with him as a human being. Like, yes, he's had some boner performances, but so have a lot of people for us. And um, this is an opportunity for him, like, when he's playing for a Wales team. An international plays very different. Like, you can show yourself in that tournament because it is so free-flowing. It's very different than the Premier League. Like it really gives some some opportunities from for some people to shine, and that's that's and, what you should look for. And and again, like, I'm not I'm not saying that. Again, I have a lot. I have a serious lack of faith in Regulon right now. But I'm not saying that Ben Davis's only chance or his only. Again, I'll use the word audition. This is an audition for him to a either earn a starting spot at Spurs, or even b boost his sale value if he did want to go somewhere else. Or this could be someone we sell off. If we feel that, like, you know what, you're not for us, Regulon and uh, Sessegnon might be our one-two going forward, then this could be Davis's chance to say, hey, other teams come in with bids. Other teams try and get me. Like, he could increase his value here because, again, he's got three more years. This could be a chance for him to say, maybe you sell me to someone else. Maybe you sell me into Celtic or sell me on to a team in Italy or something. Like, there's... For him, there's nothing to lose here, but there's everything to gain. So I expect Ben Davis to have a great tournament. Yeah. Even if it is just three games, I think he'll play great. Yeah. And this is he's going to be playing part of the back three, which is where he seems to excel the most. Yeah. Well, and we have uh, like a handful of other Spurs players in here that we have. Uh, Hoy is playing. Um, well, like and I'm, again, real quick, he was so he's my one to watch. Hoy Bears. The one to watch, as long as he's not playing other Spurs players, watch out for him. Again, he took Harry Kane's knees out in a friendly, so yeah, watch for Hoiberry. He seems yeah. to not care. Dude, he's going to play Belgium, so pray that he doesn't take out Toby's Toby, knees or something. Knees, yeah, yeah. He, he seems to be like he doesn't care, so. He shouldn't have come in confrontation with 
Toby that much in that match, I wouldn't think. But yeah, if only he'd played Sissoko a few times. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it, there's going to be some Spurs players, not as much as there was in the last World Cup. But there'll be some players to watch that I'm certainly going to keep an eye on. But any final thoughts on this uh, Euro Cup before we wrap up this episode, Joe? I think there's eight Spurs. I actually looked this up earlier. There's Man City have got the most players. I forget how many it is. Probably like 20 or something stupid. All their players are internationals, aren't they? Um, but we've got eight, and that wasn't that wasn't too bad. Um, no, I mean, listen, my, my thing for the Euros is just... It's an opportunity to enjoy football without being disappointed by Spurs. And I'm jealous of the three of you and anyone listening who's not really emotionally invested in this. As an England fan, I've had a lot of disappointments at tournaments and I'm preparing myself for another one. But at least it's not the mess that we're seeing at Tottenham. So it's it's a way to enjoy football during the summer without the depression of uh, being let down by Spurs. So that that's one way of, of looking at it. Yeah. Like I always, like I got into this sport because of international play is what I started watching. So I, I certainly understand like, and I realize that that's not the way to watch. Like this is not the good, beautiful game. This is the, um, the people who barely play together, beautiful game, but at the same time, it's a great way to, to, to get your feet wet in a, in a sport. And, and I, I'll always have a soft spot for these competitions, regardless of the fact that I'd much rather be watching league play. Uh, Lucas, you wanted to chime in, I think. Yeah, for just last thoughts, if if no one else has one, I hope that whatever we do, we don't take the classic bait of international football, which is usually like Euros or the World Cup, where it's overpaying because somebody excels. That's the one thing I hope we don't do. I hope that we don't all fall in love with like the star of the Euros 2021 and then Levy just buys that guy. We pretend like that's the savior. Like I hope that we like they're just it's very different. Like going to excel for Colombia or whatever. Like Jaimez Rodriguez would be a great one. I think what did Madrid pay for him? Like a hundred or something? Like I hope that we don't overreact based on whatever we see. I do think this is, like I said, with the Wales example, I think there's a case to be made for guys on Spurs to whoever the new incoming gaff is to say, hey, this is why I think I should start or this is why I deserve a place. But I, I don't want us as Levy or Spurs in general to overreact and throw more, like use this as a reason why we should fling more money at someone or not. Like I, I, I hope we are able to keep that separate. Tommy, final thoughts uh, other than cleaning your nails out while we talk? Yeah. Thank you for that and calling me out. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm just ready for the Euros because, like, I've told a bunch of people, I'm like, Spurs can't disappoint me for the time being. So Sweden, it's kind of the same thing. Like, their heyday, I would say, is kind of over. I would – and, like, Starting being as a fan in 94, I think that was probably peak Sweden fandom. So I would, I'm just happy to see something different in a team that I can root for. It'll be kind of nice to see these young players grow and hopefully do well. I'm just, I think this is a very timely break being a Spurs fan because like I don't have to focus on them. Unfortunately, the managerial stuff, 
is just kind of frustrating, but I can at least distract myself with international soccer, Formula One, MotoGP, and maybe I'll dabble into some baseball. But yeah, the, everything's just timely. I think by the time the season starts, again, I'll be ready to go. But nice distraction half right now. Yeah, the, the 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 one thing that's good about these Summer Cups is the distraction. And I'm excited for the distraction. I'm also excited for the break. It was nice to be back after uh, a couple weeks away from the podcast. Um, but it's also n- going to be nice to take another break while we watch this group stage. And we'll, we'll come back and uh, talk about whoever our coach decision is, if we have one, within the next two, three weeks. Hopefully we're not waiting a month to make our coach decision because then we're in some serious trouble. Uh, but we'll be able to talk about what happened with the group stage and, and, and talk about the matchups that are going on there. We'll be able to talk about um, where Spurs are going with their decision-making, who they should go after as uh, players to improve their squad, with which whatever system we think the coach that we're going to have at that point is going to play and get behind that. But I think that about wraps, wraps up the podcast. So great conversation. Anthony, Anthony real quick, is uh, are, are we still as Chicago Spurs doing the get-together next Sunday? Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, we should do this as we wrap up the podcast. Like, I probably would have mentioned it in the closing credits. But, yes, uh, Chicago Spurs, if you're in Chicago, we're getting together this Sunday at the bar. We're going to watch the England match against Croatia, which kicks off at 8. Starting 11 o'clock, we're going to have a barbecue at the Atlantic. Atlantic's going to co- cover the, the, the meats. We're going to potluck the, uh, the side dishes. It'll be a fun time. Um, we'll have some uh, prizes, hopefully, if they arrive in my mailbox in time. Um, it should be a good time, definitely. Come on out. Like, it's a, we're all, yeah, we're, guys, we're if, all if, vaccinated. If, let's get, yeah, let's get if, if, if you're vaccinated, like, come on out, guys. It'll be great. It'll be, and you're comfortable with it. Like it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a blast. It's going to be great to see more people out that we haven't seen in a long time. So, if yeah. you're comfortable, please. Like when you got that vaccine, like come on out. It's going to be a blast. Yeah, and uh, and also I'm excited. Like uh, as chairman of Chicago Spurs, uh, the the club just sent us a, a brand new next year's kit um, with a. Uh, uh, it's very cool. Um, we're probably going to raffle that up off for the first match of the season. Uh, so you'll want to come out for that first match of the season as well. But uh, like def- de- definitely it's time to come back out if you're vaccinated. Like, uh, is, it, is it signed by Conti? It's not signed by Conti. But no, it's, uh, <laughs> it's not signed at all. But it's, uh, I'll bid on that one. But, but it's very cool. Like It, it, it was... I thought I got a birthday gift earlier or something like that because my birthday's tomorrow. But no, <laughs> like then I saw the the note from the the club like don't don't give this out until after we go on sale date. So they sent us a kit early before on sale date. Pretty cool. But we're gonna raffle that off uh, for the opening day. We've got a couple of uh, Chicago Spurs merchandise that we're raffling off for the the barbecue. So come out for the barbecue. Uh, it's gonna be cool to catch up. Um, I can't wait to see everybody in person. It's uh, it, it's it's been great reconnecting with people. Uh, but that about wraps up the podcast. So thank you so much to uh, J- Joe, Lucas, and Tommy. Um, thanks to Tommy for editing and sound tonight. Charlie for the music. Kevin for social media. Tommy for back page update. K 
Kimberly for the logo, and as always, the Atlantic Bar and Grill. They're, they're providing food for this uh, upcoming barbecue. It's uh, We used to record there, and I hope to record there again soon. Um, but it's great watching matches there. They open up for us here all the time. Find our merchandise at Big Eyed Media. Uh, find us now on both Spotify and Stitcher. Hit the subscribe button and write us a review on iTunes if you like our podcast or give us a review wherever your podcasts. Check us out on Twitter and Facebook at 4 Star Spurs and our website at 4starspurs.com. Come on, you Spurs.